OCO, Daishu, and greetings. I'm Jay Winter Night Wolf, and this is the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Troops, Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio and podcasts anywhere. Mother sang me a song that will ease my pain. Men broken bones bring wholeness again. Catch my babies when they are born. Sing my death song. Teach me how to mourn. Show me the medicine of the healing herbs, the value of spirit, the way I can serve. Mother, heal my heart so that I can see the gifts of yours that can live through me. Welcome back to the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truths. I am honored to have one who is a very close friend of mine for many years. Her name is Karen Collins, and Karen has always been a shining light to me. Welcome to the broadcast, Karen. How are you? Karen Collins. I'm doing just fine right now. Uh, talking with my best friend, Jay. Um, <laughs> he's asked me to give a little speech here about myself. I come from Miami, Oklahoma. <clears throat> I'm a Shawnee Nation. I'm the Eastern Shawnee Tribe of Oklahoma member. I was born in the Indian Hospital in Claremore, Oklahoma. And Lived most of my life in Miami, Oklahoma. There is a difference. It's Miami in Oklahoma. It's Miami if you're in Florida. 
ask me a few questions here about what I do and what have you, so yeah. I'll give it back over to him. Okay. So, Karen, where did you go to school? Uh, I attended most of my Oklahoma schools, public schools, up until the 10th grade. And then I got to go to away from home, and I'm a survivor of the Sherlocko Indian School. Surviving, survivor meaning that I did graduate there. I went to school there. Classes. Uh, they also taught us to be uh, cooks, waitresses. You have your, your different courses if you wanted to go on to college. And most of my courses was aimed towards being a nurse or going on into a medical field of some kind at that time. But as soon as I graduated, I got married to a U.S. Marine, um, Charles Collins. Mm-hmm. He was in the <clears throat> Marine Corps 30 years, and of that, we was married 25 years of that service. Wow. So how we did traveled. you, you traveled with him? Uh, we traveled back and forth up and down the East Coast, mainly, until he went to Okinawa, in 85 mm-hmm. and he came back a month after our daughter was born mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things that he he remembered about that was he got this call from his commanding officer and he was in a class that day so the officer walked in and he I want to speak to Charles Collins and <clears throat> he read this little pink paper to him he says Sergeant Collins, you're the proud father of a daughter, Anjanette, born February the 9th. And, and Charles was turning very red in the face, and he said, <laughs> I thought I had done something. <laughs> I said, you did. You had a daughter. <laughs> but that stuck with him about that tour. He went all by himself then, and then. Uh, 79, we left here with the family, and we went to Okinawa, and we stayed there three years. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, a feat in itself, and a, a joy, and we really jo- enjoyed wherever we were. That was our home, and we we enjoyed Okinawa very much. Okay. So we're, All right, I'm, I'm listening. Okay. And from there, I came back, and... Um, got back, I had joined the American Indian Society of Washington, D.C. in 1970 and was a member there and I was an officer. I, uh, no more than joined and I took over as secretary mm-hmm. until we went to Okinawa and that was a three-year break there. First thing coming back home in 79, that September, I was back being a secretary again, <laughs> and uh, I did take over as uh, first vice president one year, mm-hmm. and then I was on, served on many committees there with arts and crafts, a performance of dances, uh, teaching crafts and beadwork, stuff, stuff like that, mm-hmm. and uh, right now we're... Uh, kind of <clears throat> at a low point. Uh, our membership is down. We're looking to, <clears throat> to get back some of the old members. 
come back to us and so we can get back up on the the, the wheel here and start pedaling again and being a, a society. Yeah, we've yeah. we've had quite a few members to pass on to Spirit World too. Yes, and that's what has dropped a lot of our membership down. Our president Mitchell Bush mm-hmm. passed away in 2018, mm-hmm. and Vern Halley just passed away, mm-hmm. and we had his burial this past Saturday. They are both. Buried down at our uh, property down by King's Dominion. Mm-hmm. We have 45 acres down there that's uh, all campground primitive camping. <clears throat> um, we have a memorial garden there. It started out with two regular grave sites of the people that own the property. Mm-hmm. They were the uh, the original parents and the original owners. Well, their children was getting up and they was going to sell the land. And that was one of the things is that we would take care of the grave sites. So we started making it a memorial garden so that we have uh, about 15 members buried there, including my mother. Mm-hmm. And I'll be, I'll be there, too, with her when my time comes. And uh, our friend Mercedes Osborne is, is there. Mm-hmm. And T Bear and uh, Chief Ray Couch. There's a number of people there. Yeah, you mentioned Mercedes Osborne. She was, uh, mm-hmm. like you, very special to me. Uh huh. What do you remember of uh, Mercedes? I know she had she had a double PhD and a very right. a very smart woman. She was right. from, she was from Oklahoma too, right? No, she was from uh, Virginia. Oh, okay. She was from Virginia. And uh, she was down from around Virginia Beach area down there. Okay. And uh, she lived with her grandmother uh, there, and her her grandmother was from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Mercedes really liked cooking, and you go to her house, you always had to have a meal there. Oh, I remember. And I remember. <laughs> she also was a, a dancer and a, a performer at, at our Indian powwows that we would have. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a real joy to know. Yes. And she also had these uh, big dogs that I used to see long before I knew Mercedes. Mm-hmm. They would get out of their fence and they would run and they came all the way down here about four blocks away from her house. They were running down here by my house on Dale Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And then she said, one day she came home, they seen the car, and they turned, made a U-turn, and they were back sitting on the porch the time she got up there to her house. <laughs> they knew they were in trouble. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just, she was just a joy to have. She called me up and said, Karen, come up here. Let's have lunch. And then mm-hmm. we'd sit there and watch movies. <laughs> and... She always liked the Old Brother, Where Art Thou movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was a real sweetheart. She really was. So, Karen, let me let me ask you a couple other questions. Okay. AIS, American Indian uh, Society, would always have an inaugural ball for um, incoming presidents, right? Right. And I remember the excitement that 
was in the air when Obama was elected. Right. Um, what do you remember about that? And, and how did you feel about that ball for the first black president of the United States? Well, we never really expressed who was the winner mm -hmm. because all the tribes would have to send in their delegations to come and meet with the new people coming in. Mm -hmm. So we were never really looked to that part of who was the president or, you know, mm -hmm. that type of thing. We provided and started the American in inaugural ball mm -hmm. for a reason, to have those, a place for those Indians coming in from all over the United States, a place for them to go to. Mm -hmm. As you know, there's a lot of inaugural balls worn on all over D.C. there, but there was never a one place for all the Indians to go mm -hmm. other than go back to their hotels or what have you. Right. So um, our first one that I, I was involved in was at the, uh, I think it was the Ambassador Hotel. Mm -hmm. Downtown, yeah. Right. And it was up on one of the ballrooms upstairs there, and... They had a little bitty dance floor, and that place was packed. Mm -hmm. And we had food, we had uh, drinks, and we had a chair, chairs lined up around the wall for people to sit. Right. And that's how small it was. But it has grown now to be three or four ballrooms mm -hmm. and a lot more money. Yeah. So uh, AIS is in a financial bind right now, so we're... Um, kind of c contemplating not having an inaugural ball this this time because of the, the financial, yeah, the financial situation and this pandemic and all this stuff going on. So we really haven't discussed that part of trying to have another inaugural ball at this time. So how has this pandemic affected you personally, Karen? Personally. Mm -hmm. uh, not so much the pandemic. I I do the mask thing. I do the social distancing. And I only go to the grocery store at certain times in the day, and we don't go out to eat that much. Or we call up, and then we I drive up and pick it up. They mm -hmm. bring it out, mm -hmm. and we go, go on our way. But the weather, to yes. me, is my vicious uh, uh right now I'm looking at my ceiling here these heavy rains that we've been having here the last couple of days I noticed um the day before yesterday I was in the bathroom and one of the exhaust fans was dripping mm. and then I went back into the the one bedroom that I don't use that often and I was looking at it today and oh boy, it mm. looks like that ceiling it has gotten water above it, mm. and it's starting to warp. So, other than that, the pandemics it doesn't not doing me too bad, but the the weather is what's doing me in. You know, we got this um, this election coming up. Right. I want you to think about that for a couple of minutes and. We're going to take a break and come back in about five minutes and continue the conversation, okay?
All right. That's Karen Collins, my sweetheart. Love her to death. We'll be back shortly. Don't go away. The men who followed this flag 150 years ago knew what it meant. Treason against their country. The death of the United States. America defeated the men who followed that flag. Those with honor surrendered and cast it aside forever. So why does it keep showing up today at events supporting Donald Trump? And why does he call the folks who carry it very fine people? I think there's blame on both sides. But you also had people that were very fine people. What does it say that they're all in for Trump? What does it say that he won't condemn a flag of hate, division, and losers? For us, it says this is a time for choosing America or Trump. So welcome back. I'm Jay Winnerknight Wolf, along with Karen Collins, my very special person and friend. Karen, we are finding ourselves in a great mess now in America, especially with the one that's in the White House now. I have, you know, in all of these years I've been on this earth, I never thought I would ever see anything like this. And people say, well, why do you get political? Because it's the truth. This man is trying to to destroy everything that our forefathers, and I'm not talking about necessarily the white forefathers, but our native forefathers fought for. It was not to be about the greed of a few. It was supposed to be about the best for all of us, we the people. And somehow that that got all turned around. It didn't just start with Trump. It started way back with uh, with Bill Clinton when he passed that immigration law thing. And it hasn't gotten any better. What are your feelings on it now, Karen, you know, that you've seen it and lived it like me? The immigration and the children stuck down by the Mexican border, my feelings are they shouldn't be there. They're penalizing people, I would say, of color, like us, and their children at that border, while the Canadian border remains open. Nothing's been said about the northern boundaries or Mm -hmm. eastern, western. Mm-mm. They come in by plane, by ship, whatever. Yeah. But when you think back to the days of the army, the cavalrys, chasing the Indians here, there, some of them ran to Mexico to seek sanctuary. Some of those might be some of our people wanting to come back home. Mm-hmm. They could be descendants of a lot of, you know, Apache, Navajo, all the tribes out in the West that are close to the Mexican border. You are absolutely correct. Because the very last time I checked history, Mexico, Central America, and South America, before the white man came, were all tribal nations. Mm -hmm. Before the U.S.-Mexican War, when they stole all that land from Medico, these are tribal people. It could be. Yeah. It could be members of tribes, descendants. 
Exactly. Just like I'm a descendant through the Shawnee Nation of Blue Jacket. Right. That was my grandfather seven generations back. Mm -hmm. But his son is my great-grandfather, Charles Blue Jacket and Carrie Blue Jacket. Those were my great-grandparents. Mm-hmm. And he was a chief of the Shawnee tribe. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, it's a conflicting situation that you really don't understand. And for somebody to say, you know, we're shutting our borders, why? Mm-hmm. And, you know, before before they came here, before they invaded us, there were no borders in place. People right. were able to flow to and fro. And um, like my my good friend, Manuel Valenzuela, who is also Mm -hmm. a combat Marine in Vietnam, Mm -hmm. he's fighting because his mother was an American from New Mexico, married his dad, and his dad was from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And they moved to Mexico and gave birth to 12 children. But by by virtue of the fact that she's an American citizen, born American citizen, these people are are, are Americans. Mm-hmm. But this fool in the White House now, uh, I just don't understand why he wants to put lines between people and 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 build a wall, and the wall has been breached so many times already. You know, and uh, it's falling down. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Emmanuel, like I said, fought in Vietnam. He was a Marine. His brother was 82nd Airborne. He fought in Vietnam at the same time and won the Silver Star. He had three other brothers that were in the Navy, two other brothers that were in the Air Force. And they fought on the side of the United States, and they had a right to do it. Right. But since this fool has been in office... You know, he's trying to nitpick everything. And everything that he's not. Exactly, exactly. And he um, sent them manual and, and Valente uh, letters of uh, deportation. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you deport a man or a woman that took the step one step forward, raised the right hand and and pledge honor and to protect the United States Constitution and the people within that United States. You know, how do you just throw away people? I mean, you know, you go over there and you fight, you do what they tell you to do, and you come back. And most of these guys, when they came back, they were in their 20s. And, they, you know, they were wild and young. They were suffering from PTSD. A lot of them liked to drink. They would go to a bar and get in a bar fight and get arrested. And then 30 years later, because... They got arrested in a bar, a bar fight. You feel that that's good enough to deport them? I don't think so. I don't go along with that. How do you feel about that? Not, not after so many years. What's the statute of limitation? Does he even look, think about that kind of stuff? He doesn't have a legal degree, does he? How can he, you know, make all these decisions? He's just a president. Mm-hmm. Just a president. Mm-hmm. But with that comes things that he can do and stuff that he sh- should stay out of. Right, right. And he's not um, dealing the deck equally to everybody. True, true. You cross him, you're out. Mm-hmm. 
so many people have uh, said stuff about him, you know, and then you're uh, coming up with, you said this, I said that, you did this, and when they start pointing fingers at each other, that's, nobody's getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. That's a kid's game. Nah, 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 you did this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just don't go for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, you know, he 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 walks around as if he's in charge of something. They put a military jacket on his back, and he's the commander-in-chief. Oh, no. I think everybody that becomes president should either be a veteran, uh, a parent of a veteran, or um, a spouse of a veteran. You can't mm-hmm. you can't take that job on as commander in chief and not have any experience or know what it feels like to be a veteran because even veteran families go through a lot when that right. that, that person is off to war or stationed away from right. them, you know? So mm-hmm. if you haven't had that experience, you're not qualified. Don't even think about running for the job. But he's supposed to be the commander in chief of the military forces. Right. But if he does not have the experience and the knowledge of what that force is to be doing, how can you command it? Yep. And my husband was an E-9. Wow. And he served 30 years for that E-9. Master Gunny? Master Gunny. Mm-hmm. Master Gunnery Sergeant. I had the deepest and biggest respect for Gunny Sergeants because... <laughs> Those guys knew what it was all about, you know. When they right. said, "When they said, follow me," you wanted to follow them because they earned their stripes, you know. He too, and you and you did it. That's right. Uh, let me ask you something else, Karen. Um, we got this election coming up, and uh, of course, Joe Biden is the uh, Democratic candidate for president. And he just chose Camilla Harris as his uh, running mate, first woman of color, to be nominated for the vice presidency. What do you think of that? I think it's fantastic. Me too. Okay. And I've been following her quite a bit here the last couple of days, and uh, I like the way she's standing up to uh, the situations that's coming up. Mm -hmm. And she's looking, you know, to be a leader. And somebody that we can look up to. Mm-hmm. I don't think she could be rattled by Trump or Pence as easily uh, as they think. I'm looking forward to between her and Pence. <laughs> He's going to lose. <laughs> I'm getting out the popcorn. Yeah, okay. I want to be there. I want to see that. Because <laughs> she, she has a lot of knowledge and, and, you know, I really look to her to stay. Stand tall on this one. It's not going to be no wimpy, wimpy, yes sir, no sir type things. Mm-mm. It's she's going to stand tall. Mm-hmm. And I don't think and there's, I, I don't think there's a man out there that she's going to take any disrespect from either. That's right. And uh, the first woman of color to even get considered for that position, and now she's got it. Right. Um. And then, of course, you got the naysayers out there. So, but, you know, she didn't stand on this and she didn't stand on that. All you could do is stand around and complain about 
which she didn't stand on. What the hell have you done? Mm-hmm. Okay. At least she's got her own principles and ways of doing things. Yeah. And, uh, and you can look to her parents for the good race, raising that she did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They they back her up and they gave her the education to know and the know how to do stuff. Howard University. That's what I was just going to say. I didn't know if it was Howard University or University the other way. Um, I've I've worked by there a many uh, a courier run, and it's a whole lot a different world over there in that area. Mm-hmm. It's an educated area. Yes. And you can see it. Mm-hmm. I used to be a courier uh, at my job after my husband passed. And uh, I would work 10-hour days going into D.C., pick up two loads, three loads, go back out to Springfield, go back into D.C., and then come back out again, go to Richmond with whole about 50 loads of boxes that I would pick up and go all the way down to Richmond and come back home. And it, it's a different world when you're, when you're over there and you're on the streets. And I met a lot of lovely people down in the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And they were willing to help me on a snowy day and then helping me take the load back up the hill to where my truck was parked. Mm-hmm. They said, don't you think you're getting a little old for this? And I said, Today I think I am. Because <laughs> I was worn out that day. and um, But they helped me. And it's a difference in how you treat people and you, and you sum them up, you know. And they were, they were ready and willing to help me back up that hill. Mm-hmm. And it's small things like that, you know, that you notice. And I can see in... Kamala? Yeah, Kamala, yeah. Kamala, Mm -hmm. she has had a lot of support in her education. Well, you know, Karen, I think the biggest thing that, that, that all of us as people need to get back to is treating people as human beings. Right. Uh, because this, this whole white supremacist crap, it, Mm -hmm. it has never worked over 500 years ever since they've been here. They started off with invading us, native people. Then they Mm -hmm. stole and bought people from Africa against their will to do the work because they were too damn lazy to do the work. Mm -hmm. And then um, the people that come from south of Texas that planted the crops that fed this nation. Mm -hmm. You know, and and they just got this, this, this whole white supremacist piece of crap with them you know right and all the ones that came over here from england and all that were taken out of jails and they paddled the boats over to here and then we took them in and Mm -hmm. this is the treatment that everybody got after they got there yeah and uh whatever floats your boat uh Mm -hmm. they they really uh push it to the brink there of what what they want and what they think Mm-hmm. And KKK and the episode that happened up on the mall during the winter time up there, mm-hmm. and now it, it was in Charlottesville and different areas around. You you see the pictures of these people, mm-hmm. 
and I can't get over the look in their eyes. It's sort of a lost look. Yeah. It has no focus. They're just they're just blank. Well, you know, I I remember the statements that Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse made was they have no souls. Right. You know, how can you come to a place that is not yours, then all of a sudden believe that it's yours and take it from people that have been here since time immemorial mm -hmm. and don't feel any kind of guilt? How could you massacre 111 million of our people over a 200-year right. period of time and feel no remorse? Now, I, I, can't, I can't say that all of them are like that because all of them are not like that. And it comes back to the amount of education and the way they're raised. Mm -hmm. and it's just really so unexplainable as to how one group of people can have so many uh, false faces. Mm -hmm. There you go. There you go. And speak with forked tongues, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And it's um, really... Uh, and just lie through their teeth directly in your face. Right. That too. Yeah. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take another break. Okay. And come back and talk to you again. I love talking okay. to you, Karen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> reminds me of old times when we used to sit in uh, Mercedes' uh, living room, dining room area, and smell all that food cooking and eating, and, talking. Yeah, Sub subjects just ran into each other. Oh yeah. So we're going to come back in a few minutes. This is the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truce. I'm Jay Winter Nightwolf, along with my special guest today, my good friend and my sister. Karen Collins from the Shiny Nation. We'll be right back. Don't go away. It's not a campaign. It's a billion-dollar criminal enterprise. Donald Trump says he's running on law and order. I am the law and order candidate. Who's he kidding? Trump's campaign manager is a felon. His deputy campaign manager is a felon. His national security advisor, a felon. His foreign policy advisor is a felon. His personal lawyer is a felon. His longtime personal advisor, a felon. Nixon was bad. Trump is worse. Now, Trump saves Roger Stone. Stone lied to cover up Russian involvement in Trump's campaign to protect Donald Trump. Seven felony convictions. I am the law and order candidate. Trump is the most corrupt president in U.S. history. There's only one way to end the Trump crime spree. Throw him and his crooks out of office. On November 3rd, vote for justice. The Lincoln Project is responsible for the content of this advertising. Welcome back to the most dangerous show on radio, the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truce, along with my very special guest and good longtime friend, Karen Collins. So, Karen, we were just talking about... Uh, some of the evil stuff that, that, that these clowns have done. I was reading an article just yesterday that said uh, law and order. We got the law and order candidate in Kamala Harris. Um, she's got a proven track record of uh, convicting criminals. And my question is, when the Biden-Harris party comes into 
existence comes into beating, meeting and, and uh, winning the election in November, should, after Trump is out of the White House, should he be convicted for the crimes that he has committed? Yes. Mm-hmm. He needs to stand tall and own up to what he has done. Uh, you know, I think um, the reason why those two Marine Corps generals quit, Jack Kelly and uh, Mad Dog Maddox, walked away from him because they didn't want to tarnish their good reputations by being involved with this crook. He's talking about, well, if I lose, I'm not going to give up the White House. Then he'll be breaking the Constitution again. Uh, it's not his house to keep. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised that if you tried that stuff, uh, you see a contingent of Marines going across that White House line and telling the ordering the Secret Service to stand down, and they go in there and find him and put him in handcuffs behind his back and frog march him across that line into some prison. And and, and the uh, Southern District of California I mean, of New York, they're not playing with me. either. Those are the same guys that convicted Al Capone. And he uh-huh. is, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I gave you mine. <laughs> yeah. And I hope uh, McConnell is right along with him because his pockets are full, too. Absolutely. His wife's family's business, they got a big piece of that money. Uh, right. You know. And they're supposed to be working for for all the people, not just the billionaires and the trillionaires and whoever. The money that they're they're playing with is the American people's money, mm-hmm. and it takes a, all of them to discuss it and vote on stuff before they are given, you know, any authority to be doing half of this stuff. And it hurts me in in. In my heart, Social Security. How many American people and veterans have paid for that? That's our money. It's That's not true. up to him to take and pull out so many millions to do this or that for some other country. It's not the country's money. Tell them to make their own money. Well, they've been stealing from uh, from the people's pockets ever since I can remember, and I'm 73 years old. Yeah, I'm 78 going on 79. Mm-hmm. And, and if it wasn't for the military supporting the Social Security and paying into it the same as everybody else does, it would have been, went bankrupt a long time ago. Right. That's true. That's true. I remember when George W. Bush uh, all of a sudden came up with all of this money to fight the war in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and his whole premise was, well, he, Saddam, he, what do you call him, Saddam? Saddam Hussein tried to kill my father. Saddam. Yeah, Saddam. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he got these millions of dollars to go fight that war. Mm-hmm. I've got my opinion of where it came from. I've, yeah. I, I think that it was a combination of Social Security that he raided and Indian Trust Fund money. Yep. You know? Could have been. Mm-hmm. But uh, where's all this pandemic money coming from? Oh, what are they going to do? Take all of the uh, money and leave the United States broke? It appears that way. Is that what he's trying for? 
Yeah, because he certainly don't give a damn about us. It's right. all it's all about him and his friends. And then this, how many countries are coming, going to come and stand by us and help build us back up? Like we've helped build up other other countries that was in war. Mm-hmm. There's islands sitting off here, the coast of the United States that hurricanes have hit. They need money. And what's he doing with it? Some of them have had two and three hurricanes hit their islands and has, hasn't received any support. And Puerto Rico is one of them. Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Some mm-hmm. of them belong to the United States, or they're supposed to be able to, you know, draw money and stuff, the same as Indians and what have you. But uh, I just can't understand some of the, his reasoning and why he thinks he's so important. If he's voted out in November, he'll find out how important he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that day, and I've been thinking seriously of uh, voting Biden, mm-hmm. and I'm listening and taking notes. You know me and my notes. I know. You've got books, books of notes. <laughs> right. I've got a whole 54 years of notes for the AIS. Mm-hmm. I started that note-taking when Mitchell had his very first heart attack long mm-hmm. time ago. Right, right. And I said, uh-huh, he's got all this information stored up in his head. What's going to happen if he has a heart attack and we're left to run things, you know? Mm-hmm. We're going to go in there blindfolded and try to run the AIS. And um, I started making a lot of notes. And Mitchell and I would discuss a lot of things and come up with, you know, uh, solutions. Mm-hmm. Like the elders uh, group. Right. That was made up of uh, old-time members, and I can go all the way back to 1966 and pull members out of that if I need to. Mm-hmm. If there's a question of AIS, I can go back that far and ask somebody else. But to be an elder, you need to have been an officer mm-hmm. and know the workings of the AIS. That's how Mitchell and I discussed it. As It doesn't mean your age that you're an elder. It's your knowledge, and you're willing to work and pull things through, you know, the way they should be. And uh, that's how we discussed it, and that's how we uh, set it up to be an elder of the AIS. You have to meet certain criteria. Mm -hmm. And right now, since Vern left, he was the first elder. I was the second. Michael Nephew was the third. Now we've stepped up. I'm the first, and Michael's the third. Hmm. And so I'm going to be looking to that list of the older members and officers to see who we can go to in time of need to ask questions and what have you. Right. Uh, If something is wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a lot like Trump. He just goes out there and blunderbusts through the the system and doesn't ask questions or have anything to back him up. With no respect. With no respect. Right. 
and he had no respect that day that he stood out there in front of the church right across from the White House there with a Bible in his hand. And at that point, I said, I'm not voting. Mm. And I, I hope they get somebody in there that's going to be of value and know what the situation is going to be. And I'm glad to see that Biden and Harris have come forward. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, Karen. Once Biden and Harris are are elected, they got a big job ahead of them because they've got to try to go and undo so much mess that this fool has messed up. Right. And 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 I, I I you know I hope they'll be able to get some sleep because that's that's like a twenty four hour day job, just right. trying to straighten out mess. Uh, he's destroyed relationships with other countries. Um, mm-hmm. He's damn near destroyed the banking system. Now he wants to get rid of the post office department. Um, and I seen somewhere just a while ago that the guy he put in there has been taking money. And the man just was put in there. Ugh. I'm fed up with the post office, too, because I'm not getting my uh, mail and stuff here like I used to. It was used to be here at 10 o'clock in the morning. Now it might be 8 o'clock at night. But that's, it's not their fault. It's just this whole administration's way of doing things. Right. And I and think their perp- Trump has personally castrating the uh, post office for his own means and good. And then he'll have somebody that, that, that he could blame for not winning the election. Well, okay. they couldn't take care of the mail. I guess not. You right. took their money from them. So, Karen, yeah. what, what should we do? Um as a people of this particular country to try to make things better for all of us because Trump has actually got us on a stage of war within this country, a civil war. Right. I need to, I hope the Indians, no matter what their nation, what their tribe, what their affiliation is with us, they need to stick together. Read all these things that are being put out. How's it going to affect the Indian nations? He's even trying to do away with some of the um, treaties. And pay attention to what's going on. Know what, what he has done and what the consequences are going to be to each and every one of us if something you know does happen to our treaties and stuff that we set up. There's a lot of treaties that are still tied up in the courts that have not been paid since 1492. They keep messing with the Treaty of Fort Laramie. Mm-hmm. You know. And they keep messing with, you know, with people's lives. The Indian people need to stand, I keep saying it going back, stand tall. Yeah. Stand tall, chins up. Mm-hmm. Be ready to come back and conquer yeah we need to stand together and get what is ours and you know i can't uh i can't hold black folks at fault for any of this because next to us they were the most mistreated people in this in this country yeah a lot of a lot of our black brothers and sisters they need to read and understand how our lives have intersected with their lives throughout the whole time they've been here mm-hmm. and how if it wasn't for 
our people that the Underground Railroad would not have been a success because every stop along the way from Maryland up was manned by Native people. We fed them right. when they were hungry. We took them in and got them well when we were sick. And in upstate New York, Chief Skinnendor of the Oneida people um, was a good friend to Harriet Tubman. And he would wait until maybe 50 to several hundred of the escaped slaves uh, were assembled and have his guides and warriors to take them into Canada for absolute freedom. So, you know, don't be, don't, don't come with this convenient amnesia because you don't know, you fail to read. You know, if you know your history, then you'll be thankful for what other people have done to help you. Right. And it goes back to education. Stick with your education. Get off the streets and go home and study. Okay, so Karen, we're going to take another break. Okay. And then we're going to come back and talk a little more. And we'll be moving close to your final thoughts and words. So be thinking about it, okay? Okay. I'm Jay Winter Night Wolf, and this is the American Indian Indigenous People's Truths, Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio and podcast anywhere. Now go away. We'll be right back. Someday soon, the time of Trump will pass. This circus of incompetence, corruption, and cruelty will end. When it does, the men and women in Trump's Republican Party will come to you, telling you they can repair the damage he's done. They'll beg you to forget their votes to exonerate Trump from his crimes, ask you to forgive their silence, their cowardice, and their betrayals as Trump wrecked this nation. Every time they had a choice between America and Trump, they chose Trump. Every time they were called to the service of this nation and their sacred oath, they chose Trump. Every time. Learn their names. Remember their actions. And never, ever trust them again. Never trust them again. You know, because they're going to come wrong, running to us after this fool has been in prison and convicted with their tail between their legs like dogs come running when they're scared. Well, can you, can you please forgive us? No. You had your chance many times. So, anyway. Well, Karen, we're, we're going to be coming to the end of this conversation, and it's been good talking to you. What 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 would you like to tell me before you leave? Go ahead and take your time and tell me. Uh, final thoughts. Okay. Uh, time is of value. I would like to see all Indian nations stand together as a front against losing all that is ours. Stand for justice against Trump and his crew of crooks. Time is of value. No. We do not trust Trump no no longer. We cannot afford to. And we'd like to see Trump brought to justice for all that he has done. You know, I couldn't agree with you more. And Karen, if you had, you know, great-grandchildren, grandchildren like I have, what I would you... I got two. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I know, so... 
Um, what would you want to leave for them as, as valuable information or something for them to follow, you know, as we leave out of here? Because they got to, so we got to leave them something. What would you like to leave yours? I want them to be proud of their heritage, of their grandfathers, the Blue Jackets, the other grandfather, Peacock. The Blue Jackets were mainly all chiefs. I want them to know that and be proud of that fact. A lot of people say, oh, you're an Indian. So? Mm. You're white. So? <laughs> you know, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Get away from all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And be yourself. Know your know your tribal heritage and who we were. I look at Mitch and Vern like they were my brothers. Mm -hmm. I never had a brother. I had one sister. Mm -hmm. I had two uncles. We were mainly a female family. We dominated mm -hmm. that family of the peacocks and uh, I'd like to see you know the the girls be proud of that fact that our women stood with the men and we made decisions and stuff and we raised our families and um, and that is a noble thing to be a woman a native woman right it was a noble thing yes mm -hmm. my grandmother raised six kids plus my sister and I that's eight kids and then each of her kids grew up, and they started having kids, and they were all... My grandma had 13 grandkids mm -hmm. from her six kids. And then uh, my sister and I had our children, and she started having her great-grandkids, and she was so proud of all the all the kids. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the way I want... Uh, my two great-granddaughters to thank of me someday. Absolutely. Well, I'll never forget you. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Karen, I love you, and thank you so much for being a part of this conversation today. And um, I want to play a song for you, and then I'm going to give my closing words, okay? Okay. Okay, don't go anywhere.
That's right. Keep my memory. And Karen, um, we've known each other over almost 30 years, right? Yeah, back in the 80s. Yeah. That's almost 40. Yeah, and you know, you haven't changed and I haven't changed. You've just gotten a little bit older. (laughs) Just getting older. Yeah, and I'm very fortunate to have friends like you that know where I'm at, and I know where you are. Mm-hmm. So, can I say thank you for being in this conversation with me today? Sure. I thank you for having me. I've been on TV one time, hmm. and that was back in 1980, oh, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay. we came home from Okinawa. That was the first thing Mitchell lined up for me. I want yeah. you to get on uh, one of the children's programs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to thank you again. and As I come to the end of this podcast, I am so thankful that... I still have friends that remember the good old days with me. I'm thankful that I'm able to talk to the friends that I have left. And so many of us, our young people, I can't say that I feel sorry for them, but what will be their memories of the good old days? Would it be this pandemic? Would it be all of this violence against people of color by the police? Will it be how the American presidency has turned its back on us, only for their own capture of wealth? And my friend Karen was absolutely correct when she said, 
Forget your color. Grasp your humanity. Just as my grandfather used to tell us when we were kids, it's not about the color of your skin or the color of your eyes. It's not about the texture of your care, your hair. It's not about the clothes you wear. It's not about your traditions or your cultures. It's not about the language that you speak. And he would look at us and look at us and say, do you know what it's all about? And we would be bewildered by what he had just said to us because we were young. And then he would look at us and give us a smile and put his right hand over his heart. And he would say, it's about how you treat my heart. So all of you out there, whether you're young or old, remember that. It's about how you treat my heart. And until I talk to you the next time, I'll leave you with these words in Cherokee. Danada, goai, wado. Talk to you soon. If the white man wants to live in peace with the Indian, he can live in peace. There need be no trouble. Treat all men alike. Give them all the same law. Give them all an even chance to live and grow. You might as well expect the rivers to run backward, as that any man who was born a free man should be contented when penned up and denied liberty to go where he pleases. We only ask an even chance to live as other men live. We ask to be recognized as men. Let me be a free man, free to travel, free to stop, free to work, free to choose my own teachers, free to follow the religion of my fathers, free to think and talk and act for myself.